This lesson is designed to teach us the basics of praise and worship as revealed in the word of God. Topics dealt with include what praise is, what worship is, and the purpose for congregational worship. Let's stand up to our feet, make our declaration, then we get into God's words. Please say this out loud, bold and strong with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This morning, we're going to do a very basic lesson. We've been doing a, a series of different messages that we are calling foundations, addressing different topics that are foundational to our Christian faith and our walk with God. And this particular series is designed to help a new believer grow into a place where they can be a disciple of the Lord. And our roadmap is that every believer becomes a disciple, every disciple becomes a minister, every minister becomes a leader. So eventually, all of us are to be leaders in the house of God. Something. Now, it doesn't mean we're all going to lead the same thing, but some way, in some capacity, you're carrying responsibility. And all of you, all of us have been designed by God to, to fulfill a function in the body. And so that's this journey we are making to see every believer become a disciple, a disciple becoming a minister of God, because every believer is a minister, and then every minister become a leader. You're designed to be a leader and, and, and lead and carry responsibility in the house of God. So we're doing this series of messages today. It's the sixth one. This morning, a very, very simple message on praise and worship. Very simple. Nothing complicated. All of us do praise and worship. We engage in praise and worship. But it's good to go back and say, why do I do what I do? You know, why do I sing? Well, everybody else is singing. Might as well join the crowd, you know. Or is there a better reason to be involved in praise and worship? What does the Bible teach on this subject? So we want to talk about that. Not going to be too long because this is something most of us are very familiar with. And we're going to talk about praise. Let's read some scripture here. We'll talk about praise and understanding praise and worship. Let's read some scripture. Let's read Psalm 100. All of this is very familiar to us, but let's just go through it together. Psalm 100. We're just going to read the entire psalm. The Bible says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. So make some noise. Be joyful in God's presence. Shout. So I thought God was a quiet God. No, no, the Bible says you can shout. Amen? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. 
So how do you come to the presence of God? With singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Say, just God, I'm thankful. Thankful for Sunday, I don't have to go to work. <laughs> thankful, I'm thankful, whatever. You know, just God, thank you for this and thank you for that. Good thing. And just come into His presence with thanksgiving. Into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. Let's also read Psalm 150. Of course, we can read several Psalms that teach us on praise and worship. We're just picking a couple of them. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. The place where His people gather together. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. So when God does some great things, praise Him for those things. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. That means He's such a great God. Might as well praise Him. But I've got great problems. No, no, no. He's, He's a great God. Praise Him according to His Excellent, greatness. I mean, he's a great God. Praise him. We all have problems. We all have struggles. We all have issues. But listen, you can still praise him because he is great. Excellent greatness. Now, praise him with the sound of the trumpets. In other words, get your instruments together. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel. And, see, dancing is legal. Some people, instruments, you've already crossed the line. Dancing is, man, you're outlawed. You're like, you are totally in rebellion. This is not God. This is not church. But listen, the Bible says, praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments. And flutes. Now, verse 5. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Pastor, electric guitar is not allowed. Drums are Keyboard is okay. That's a holy instrument. (laughs) But drums, bass, the electric, they're noisy instruments. See, the Bible says, praise Him with some loud. Symbols. Instruments that make really loud music. Praise Him with those instruments. Praise Him with clashing symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. See, everything we're doing is very legal. Amen? Use all your instruments. Use whatever you've got. Make a loud noise. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. So praise is simply giving God recognition, adoration and admiration with song, with words, with music, with instruments. You're celebrating God. Celebrating who He is, celebrating things He has done, rejoicing in in those things. 
And it engages our total person. So it says you clap your hands, you dance, you shout. Meaning your whole being is involved in this thing. Praising God. Celebrating, adoring. Rejoicing, giving Him thanks. So giving God praise is based on who He is, what He has done. And many times, we don't feel like praising God. Maybe you didn't have enough sleep or maybe you slept too much. <laughs> Whatever. You don't feel like it. Maybe it's very hot and humid and stuffy. And, and it's like, oh, this is not a very conducive environment to praise Him. Or whatever, there could be so many reasons. Things are not going well in your life. Uh, you're facing hardships. But the Bible teaches us to praise Him at all times. Amen? Because He is worthy of that praise. It's worthy. He's worthy for us to declare how great He is. He's worthy for us to celebrate the good things He has done. His mighty acts, His deeds. Just thank Him. Praise Him for it. So why do we praise God? Just run through a couple of reasons. All of this probably you, you already know, but just remind ourselves. Why praise God? Because He's worthy of it, first of all. Psalm 48 verse 1 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's a great God. He's just worthy to be praised and Secondly, we were created to praise Him. God says, I have formed these people. Isaiah 42, I think it is. 43, 21. I have formed these people for my praise. We were designed to praise God. You were designed to make some noise and praise God and give Him thanks and celebrate the things He's done. Number three, we commanded in His Word to do so. Like we read just now, and like several passages in the Psalms says, praise Him, give Him praise. God's Word commands us, instructs us to praise God. Why praise Him? Number four, God is enthroned in our praises. Meaning, when we praise Him, we are creating a place of habitation for God. His presence comes in. He comes to dwell among a people who are praising Him, not complaining. Amen? Do you want to change the atmosphere? Stop complaining, start praising. God shows up. He comes in. He inhabits. He dwells among a people who praise Him. Number five, there's power in praise, meaning praise is dynamite. As you celebrate God, something's going to happen here on earth. As your praise goes up to God, things start shaking here on earth. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes from now. But there is power in praise. It's, it's a way for us to cause our circumstances to change as we engage in giving God praise. And it's a good thing to praise God, number six. It's a good thing to do it. When do you praise Him? Psalm 34 verse 1 simply says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And His praise will continually be in my mouth. 
I'm going to bless him at all times, forever. So the morning, afternoon, evening, night, in your place of work, in your school, in your college, at all times, just praise God. He's worthy of it. So really, praising God is not something we do only on Sunday mornings. Right, we've got the band up, they're looking good, they've practiced, I hope they did, you know. <laughs> Come on, let's praise Him. So praising God is not something you do only on Sunday mornings when you've got this band to carry you through. No. Praising God is something you and I do at all times. You say, Pastor, I can't sing. It's okay, don't worry. I too can't sing. <laughs> say, Pastor, I can't play any instrument. Great, join me. I can't play anything. So does it mean that those of us who can't sing or can't carry a tune who are tone deaf who can't play an instrument, does it mean that we can't praise God? No. We can. How? Just say it. You don't have to sing it. But here's the secret. When you're alone, you can sing it. I do that when I'm in the car or something. Nobody's around me. Hallelujah. Roll up the windows. Come on, sing. Nobody's going to be affected. Nobody's going to be bothered. So, you and I can praise God at all times just with what we have. God, I just thank you. God, I praise you. God, you're just so good. Thank you, God, for this. God, thank you for doing that in my life. I wasn't even expecting it. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for setting that up for me. Just praising God, being thankful, giving Him thanks. We can all do that. Even if we are unable to sing and unable to play instruments, we can praise Him at all times. So, praising God should be a way of life. That's the important thing. As believers, it's normal. We do it all the time. Not only on Sunday mornings. It's a way of life. Wherever we are. In the middle of every situation. In the middle of every circumstance. We give God praise. We celebrate His greatness. We declare His greatness. When you face a problem, you say, God, I know this is a really tough thing. But I praise you because you're almighty. You're great. You're powerful. I declare your greatness. You're praising God in the middle of a difficult situation. How do we praise God? And we've read some of these things. The Bible says, let's go to Psalm 47. You can read that in the couple of pointers there. How to praise God? Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. So, clapping, shouting, lifting your voice. These are ways to praise God. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. I'll skip a few verses there and go down to verse 5. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with a sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is King of all the earth, sing praises with understanding. So how do you praise God? We found a few things here. Number one, you can sing your praises. You can shout, 
make a joyful noise. Three, you can clap your hands. Four, we can lift up our hands. Lifting hands is another act of worship. It's an act of praise. You know, when the, I don't know who your favorite team is. But we all, when your favorite cricket team wins at the end of those 20 overs, and if you were in that stadium, where would your hands be? Somewhere above your shoulders, right? Yes! <laughs> or whatever. You're not going to say, man, I'm glad we won, you know. No. It's going to be somewhere waving up in the air. Doing whatever crazy people do when their favorite team wins. So let's think about celebrating God. Your hands up in the air, waving. Saying, God, you're great. I worship you. I salute you. I, I applaud you, God. Same thing with playing of musical instruments. We've read several scriptures on that. And you know, here's the thing. There are some people who will tell you that there are scriptures only in the Old Testament on using musical instruments. It's true. When you come into the New Testament, you go to the book of Acts, you go to the epistles, not even a single mention of any instrument. So, using instruments is Old Testament practice. So you can't use instruments in church. Now, did God suddenly change tastes across the Testaments? I mean, did he say, I like instruments. Oh, the testament has changed. No, I don't. I don't think so. The Bible says in Malachi 3 verse 6, God says, I am God. I do not change. I don't change. The testaments have changed. People have changed. Times have changed. But God is not. If he enjoyed good instruments in the old, I'm sure he enjoys good instruments in the new. And then here's the second thing. You can take them all the way into the book of Revelation because in Revelation chapter 5 and also in Revelation chapter 14, Revelation 5, 8, Revelation 14, 2, suddenly you go up into heaven and you find instruments up in heaven. You find that up in heaven they are playing harps. Revelation 5, 8, Revelation 14, 2. So you're saying in the Old Testament God enjoyed instruments. In heaven he enjoys, but keep instruments out of the church for now. Doesn't add up. Amen? So, using these instruments, while we don't find reference of instruments in the Gospels or in the Epistles, telling us to worship God, you find them throughout the Old and you find them all the way in the book of Revelation. So I think it is incorrect for us to Leave instruments out of the church now just because of finding no reference in, in the Gospels or in the Epistles. There's several other ways of worshipping God, praising God. You can stand. Stand as a sign of standing up as a sign of respect. You can sing in tongues. You can dance. Dancing is a celebration of God as we already read in Scripture. Now, 
I realized that all of us come from different backgrounds. I got full of the Holy Spirit and slowly was being exposed to the Spirit-filled style of worship and worshiping God and being set free in this. And so kind of moved from hands down to hands shoulder level to hands up in the air. Slowly graduated. So moved from hands doing nothing to hands clapping a bit to sometimes clapping really loud and making some noise. Grew up. So I thought, you know, I had arrived in my praising and celebration of God. Until I went to the United States. My dad was there with me that particular Sunday morning. Went to this African-American church. And nobody prepared me for what to expect. I thought, okay, the church is close by. Let's go worship God. And so we went there. And then the worship, praise and worship started. I thought, man, there is chaos here. (laughs) This is not praise and worship. This is chaos. Because the instruments were going on. Everything was turned out so loud. And, uh, and the total style of singing was to- totally different. And people, were, the chairs were flying. People were moving out of place, spontaneously dancing. I thought I, thought I was free, but these men, I suddenly realized I was in bondage, you know. Because these people are worshiping God totally different. And I had a true spiritual culture shock. I went back. I said, God, I've read the scriptures about praise and worship. I thought I was a liberated person, raising hands, clapping. But this was too much. God, I will never go back to that church. But you know, I actually missed church for two Sundays. Because I couldn't get myself to go back there. It was too much for me. But then God said, okay, see, you can't judge them. This is the way... They are expressing worship to God. This is the way they do it. Go. So I went back and got used to it. And then, again, their style is very different. Sunday morning, you go to church. The pastor will say, son, do you have a word from the Lord? I mean, here we prepare messages a week in advance. (laughs) There is like a few minutes before the service. Somebody come and say, pastor wants to talk to you. Go to the back of the office. Son, do you have a word from the Lord? You know, for me, the Bible says be instant in season, out of season. I can't say no. So I say, yes, pastor. All right. Today you'll preach. (laughs) Then worship is going on. I'm saying, God, give me a word, Lord. (laughs) And the pastor comes and says, let's put our hands together for today's God's man of the hour, evangelist, ashes. (laughs) There you are on stage with the mic, you know. But that's how that church worked. And it was a great time just being there and serving, spending time. About it. served in that church for a year and a half. And they had to get used to me. I had to get used to them. Because when they preach, I mean, they preach. In the beginning, the moment I began, they all fell asleep. <laughs> there was no energy coming from the preacher. Because he always said, turn in your Bibles too, <laughs> you know. They never did all that. They just preached and there was energy. So they had to get used to me and I had to get used to them. And that was just one of them. 
And there was a time when we were with the Koreans, the Korean Christian Fellowship on, on the university campus. And I'm just saying this because, you know, different people have different ways of expressing praise and worship to God. We can't judge anybody. Now, the Korean students, was a group of uh, about 200, 250 uh, Korean students. I was with them for maybe three years and um, serving with them. We had just great times of fellowship and serving there. But they were totally different. Praise and worship was more like theirs, but, and these were all college students, undergrad, grad students, mostly undergrad. On campus, Thursday evenings, when we said, let us pray, man, it was like a roar that filled the auditorium. I mean, they would, and these are students, they'd be down on their knees crying, oh Lord, do this. It's like, wait, we just said pray. I was like, whoo, full roar in the auditorium. And that's the way they pray. So powerful. And these are college students praying. Crying out to God. Never seen things like that. But that was their intensity. And they prayed. They prayed that way. Then after some time, we had the opportunity to pioneer a bilingual church. It was an English Hispanic church. And so we got along with these people from South America, from Ecuador, most of them from Ecuador, some parts. And, and there were a lot of people from uh, various Central America, South, mostly Central America. So we pioneered a church there. It's a Hispanic church, bilingual English-Spanish church. And they were totally different. Somewhat like us, because when you said service starts at 5 p.m., they will show up somewhere after 5. Maybe 5.30. But when they started to sing, it was like heaven. I mean, the language, Spanish language, it's beautiful. And many of the songs, English songs, translated into Spanish. It was like heaven, worshipping God with them. But unlike us, they didn't know when to stop. So when does worship stop? It stops when it does. So nothing is planned. They'll all show up. You start when everybody's there. And you end when, when it ends. But that was their way of worshiping God. It's powerful. They would cry. They would sing. And their songs were so, so wonderful. Just worshipping God. The point is this. People have different expressions of praising God, worshipping God. We can never judge anybody. Amen? When you're among them, just do it their way. Just worship God with them. Flow with it. Worship God. He, and He's worthy of praise. And there's so many different ways to express praise, express worship to God. What happens when we praise and worship God? God inhabits our praise, as we said earlier. The very presence of God invades our circumstances, our situations. You want to attract God on purpose, start praising Him. You attract God. Praise attracts the presence of God. He inhabits our praises. Praise causes divine deliverance. As you begin to praise God, in the midst of troubled situations, God works deliverances for His people. 
some examples you find in the Bible in 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. The king of Judah is surrounded by three armies who've come out against him. God says, don't be afraid. Just send a group of musicians, singers up in front of the army. Praisers, let them go ahead of the army. So here you have the king who sends out a team of praise and worshippers. It's nice, right? Let, let them go face the heat first. Send the worship team up ahead. And the Bible says, as they began to sing and praise God, God intervened. He confused the armies and they began to destroy themselves. So much so that the king of Judah didn't have to fight. They just went in, took the spoil and came home. Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts 16. They've been beaten up for preaching the gospel, thrown in prison. Now you can do one of two things. You can grumble and complain. And write letters to everybody saying, God has forgotten me. Or you can sit in the prison with your feet in stocks and your hands in chains, your body all bruised and still praise God. And that's what they did. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praise. And as they began to sing praise in the midnight hour, sitting in that prison house, God sent a deliverance. The prison gates opened, the chains fell off. They said, hey, let's go. They walked out free that day. Amen. So praise brings the deliverance of God into our circumstances, situations. Praise stops the enemy. Psalm 8 and verse 2 says, out of the mouth of little children, you have ordained strength. Jesus quotes that verse and says, you have ordained praise. That you might stop the enemy and still the enemy. So can you imagine, as you're praising God, the enemy is in... He's coming against and you start praising God. Stops it. Good animation. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So he stops in his tracks. Why? Because you started praising God. Amen. So praise stops the enemy. It stills the enemy. Number four, Psalm 149 says. That through praise, we execute judgment, the written judgment on the enemies of God. So can you imagine that as we praise God, the Bible is actually drawing the picture there in Psalm 149. It says, you know, there's a two-edged sword in their hands and the high praise of God in their mouth. And they're executing vengeance on the enemy. So praise is actually a weapon of warfare. That as you're praising God, you are binding up the enemy. And you're executing the written judgment against the enemy. So praise is powerful. And you and I start praising God. Things begin to happen in the realm of the spirit. Praise is also a way to express our faith in God. It's telling God, God, even though all these things are going bad around me, I still have faith in you. I'll praise you. It's a great way to express faith in God. Let's quickly talk about worship. You know, worship is different from praise in that worship is very intimate and worship is very reverential. It's full of reverence. Praise is exuberant. It's a celebration. It's lively. It's energetic. It's, it's declaring the acts of God. But worship is intimate. It's almost like praise. You're doing something in the outer coats. Not that it's bad, but you're doing it 
there, but when you're worshipping, you are actually at the throne, bowing down and worshipping God. So worship is those moments of intimate expression of our heart to God. It's reverence, showing reverence for God. In worship, we may kneel down, we may bow down, we may be quiet, we may still. Because we are filled with the awe and the greatness of God. With reverence towards Him. We bow before His throne. And we are called to worship God. In as much as we are called to praise God. It's not that one is better than the other. These are things we both we do together. And the Bible tells us in John the 4th chapter verses 23 and 24. We worship God in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks for such to worship Him. I mean, God is actually looking out for people. He longs for people to worship Him. In spirit, that means from their innermost being, from their heart. And in truth, meaning in sincerity. They're not doing it just as a lip service. But doing it out of sincerity to God. So what happens when we worship? Worship births intimacy with God. It's that place of intimacy when you're worshiping God. And remember, in the Christian life, intimacy with God is what births fruitfulness in life. Amen? Jesus said, you abide in me, my words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. So what's the secret of fruitfulness? Abide. Be intimate with God. Intimacy. Worship also brings about transformation. The Bible teaches us in Psalm 115 that we become like unto what we worship. It's talking about those who make idols. And he says, you know, those who make them are like them. So what you worship, you become like unto. So worship brings about transformation of our, us as individuals. We begin to take on his virtues, his character. Things change in our hearts. The hardness of our hearts melt and, and we begin to become more and more like and we align to who He is. So this worship is powerful in those moments when you stand before God. You could be hurting and God heals your hurt. You could be, um, you know, uh, struggling with some sin and that moment of worship, God just comes and sets you free and it goes off. <clears throat> you could be struggling in your will, you know, struggling saying, God, do I do this? I don't want, God's calling you to do something. You don't want to do it. But those moments of worship, you just gently align your will and you say, okay, God, you're worthy of it. I will do what you say. So worship transforms us uh, as we engage in it. Just a few more thoughts here before we close. Congregational worship, meaning for God's people to come together and praise and worship. It's very, uh, an integral part of the word of God. While we must learn to praise and worship God on our own, make it a part of our walk with God, our lifestyle, it's also important for us to come together as a body, as a congregation, and worship God. When we worship God as a congregation, there's a vertical dimension that happens. We minister to God as a body. We experience the presence of God and His atmosphere. His presence fills the atmosphere. God releases things to us as a body. There is the horizontal aspect when we worship God together. There is that sense of unity amongst us. We all, maybe from different cultures, different backgrounds, different tastes, different languages, 
But when we worship God together, it brings a sense of unity. We are doing this for our God. We minister to one another. The songs reinforce theology, the truth of God in our midst as we sing those wonderful hymns. They remind us of what we believe as a body. Today we sang that powerful hymn on, on the blood and what Jesus did for us on the cross. It tells us this is what we believe. It reinforces truth amongst us. Also in congregational worship, there's the inward aspect. God will deal with you. Although you're in, in a crowd, God will deal with you very personally. In congregational worship, things happen to you individually in an atmosphere, in an environment where there are people worshiping God. Things change on the inside of us. You know, what could keep us from being free in praise and worship? What are some hindrances we need to lay aside? And I'll close with this. Pride can be a big hindrance. You know, hey, I am from such and such a background. You don't tell me to lift hands. We don't. <laughs> no. We got to get rid of that. Let's say, you know, the Bible says it. Let's do it. I clap hands, I lift hands, I will sing, I will make some noise. Why? Bible says it. So I leave aside my pride and, and things that prevent me from releasing myself to do what God wants me to do. Or sometimes we're so self-conscious. Oh, my mom and dad are in the service today. I better be careful not lifting my hands up. <laughs> Lest they think I've become too charismatic, you know, <laughs> whatever. You suddenly, all of a sudden, because somebody else is watching you, you refrain from worshiping God. No, do it anyway. God's worthy of it. He'll handle those problems later. You worship God. Sometimes we just irreverent, you know, we, we want God's blessings, but we don't want to give back to Him in praise and worship. So we need to deal with that. Sometimes we like just being spectators. Oh, let me see if he's on key today. The drummer's keeping time. The bass is doing good. Let me watch him. <laughs> so we've come to see how good the band is and how good they're playing and all of that. And we're just spectators. And we need to get out of that and say, let's be participants. Let's participate in this thing. It could also be become very sentimental. We get connected to the music, but not necessarily with God. Then we lose the whole purpose of worship. If you only enjoy the music but not connect with God. So that hinders us from worshiping God. Or paying just lip service. Just go to the songs because we need to go through it. And so on. So these are some things that we could deal with. Get rid of and say look. Let me praise and worship God. The way the Bible says it. Because he's worthy. Amen. Let's be a people. Let's, who worship God, let's make this a lifestyle of praising and worshiping God. Let's just pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. We just pray, God, that you will move upon each of our hearts and minds and just release us to praise and worship you the way you deserve to be praised and worshiped. And Father, we thank you for whatever talent you've given each one of us. God, even though we, for some of us, we can't sing and we can't carry a tune or play any instruments, God, just give us the grace to worship you with our words. 
But things we say to you, speak to you, to praise you, to worship your God, no matter what. And Father, we just pray that even as we do this, mighty things will take place in our lives. As we engage in praising, exalting, magnifying, glorifying, celebrating, rejoicing in you. That things will take place. In our lives, chains will fall away, circumstances will change, mighty deliverances will come, the enemy will be stopped in his tracks, and in fact, we will execute the written judgment on the enemy as we just worship and praise our great God. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.